just because you can have 15 ports doesn't mean you should. I think that's the lesson. Yeah, so I've now got a surplus of USB-A ports and one cable into my MacBook Pro. CD drive? Did you get the CD drive? Attached? I did not get the CD drive. Maybe that's for Christmas. Could be. I took a CD drive out of my Mac and replaced it with a hard drive and then I have the CD drive and a USB enclosure. Right. Genius. And when was the last time you used it? I don't know, um, but it all came like a single kit. as class. It's one of the old MacBook Pros you can obviously open up. It's got a it's old hard drive and then an SSD in it. So the SSD has all the OS stuff on it and then files and all are on the, the spinning disk. Is that one of the old iFixit kits? They used to do really good kits. Yeah, it probably was. I can't remember where I got it at the time, but it was flawless. It was so good. It's the sort of customizability you don't get anymore with no. Apple silicone and thin MacBooks. I don't think we get that customizability anywhere, really, apart from if you bought like a PC. Mm. Yeah. Nobody wants it anymore. They just want a thing that works, I suppose. Why would you want that? Oh, I'm recording now. Testing, testing. One, two, three. Maybe that's what we should call the podcast. Call it testing, testing. Could be, yeah. Yeah. And then never talk about testing. Never. Well, yeah, same as like writing tests, just to talk about it, but never do it, you know. Yeah. Just, you know, just yeah. push straight in. Push them in. You write one test, one test that passes, and then you've done testing. Yeah, That's exactly. just the test hardness. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I, I want to talk about this bath thing. So, you, you put your own bath in? Uh, yeah, so we got planning permission to build on my wife's family farm uh, a year ago. Um, and we're building a replacement dwelling, but we're going to move into the current dwelling until we build the replacement dwelling, if that makes sense. But it's a wee bit run down, so I uh, ripped the bathroom out and tiled it, um, and then tomorrow I'm going to try and put the bath back in. Well, a new bath in. Um, but it's just it's so scary. It's just it's the, it's not even it's the same as if you're doing like work on your car or whatever. It's just the fear that you have to get over. The actual like you know the the mechanics behind it is simple. You know, there's two two water pipes and a drain. Yeah. As long as you get them right, then you're okay. But it's a fear that you're never going to, you know, you're going to do something wrong. Yeah. I mean, if you do the water pipe wrong, then <laughs> you end up with gallons of water gushing around your house. Yes. <laughs> uh, thankfully, I know how to turn the water on and off. So step one, turn it all off and then proceed to take it apart. But like the bath, like I was able to take the old bath out and all. So I know that it's not leaking now. Whenever yeah. I turn it all on tomorrow, if I, if I get it in tomorrow, I don't know it. I went to do it last week and then I had pipes that were too long and they had a kink in them then so that the water wouldn't, you know, wouldn't chance to come out. So it's like that, you know, the Basilica in Barcelona, which has taken like 130 years to build and they're still not finished. That's yeah. what I feel with this house is, where it was meant to just be like a temporary, you know, dwelling. And it's not going to take longer than just building the, the real house. Yeah. <laughs> you can leave it to your grandkids and they can complete it for you. It can be a masterpiece. Exactly. Yeah, um, uh, my father-in-law and mother-in-law have the attitude where you just do these things yourself, and you know, just do it yourself. You know, it's not that hard. And yeah. like, the tiling part actually wasn't that hard. Like tiling is like Lego for grown-ups, but plumbing is—it's like surgery for the untrained. <laughs> yeah, my brother's a plumber, so I let him do all that sort of stuff. He's got that confidence; he can just, you know. Yeah, I think that's it. It's largely confidence. I think if you have YouTube and enough confidence, there's very little you can't achieve in general. A couple of YouTube videos, and I was able to replace all the, the sockets in our kitchen with nice chrome effect ones rather than plastic. Although I did then spend the next six months wherein I'd electrocuted my children. But thankfully, thankfully everyone's okay so far. So I think that just proves the hypothesis. Is that because you give people rubber gloves when they enter into your <laughs> kitchen, Matt, and then take it off and they leave? You know, this is the it uniform is. that's required. 
I pretend it's a, an anti-COVID measure, but it's actually just to try and stop <laughs> the electricity <laughs> from conducting. You can tell as well when people are being queued how confident they are too. You get the folks who just walk in and pick something straight off the shelf. And then there's me who walks up and down the aisles until yeah. they find something that looks like it might work. Yeah. And then you buy something else as well, just in case. I, I drive my wife mad with that because I'll go into B&Q to get one thing and I'll be a good R because I just can't decide. I'm not sure. Is this the right one? I'm not sure. And then you feel judged whenever you buy it. It's like, have I bought the right thing? And is this this shop assistant uh, behind the till looking at me going, what's he bought that for? That's a terrible choice. Yeah. But... <laughs> What is he building? <laughs> exactly. Uh, I think you've just got to walk into the room or walk into the shop with confidence. You belong there. You are a DIYer and you have the abilities. If you watch the that's videos it. on YouTube, then you learn the words. You know, and as long as you know the words, then that's all you need. Yeah. yeah. I think there's, it's one of those, it's like the metaphor as well. Of once you have a hammer, everything's a nail. I have a friend who just bought a circular saw and now he just spends his weekends constructing things out of bits of scrap wood. Everything can be cut with a circular saw, so it's the it's having the right tool as well. I think is the the other key. So maybe you just need to get a, a new tool every year for Christmas until you've got the right sized tool shed. <laughs> and once you've got it all, then suddenly everything's easy. Yep. Which brings us on to the next part of our discussion, which I would like to propose, which is Christmas presents for software developers. So we're sort of getting to that time of year now where. People are asking one another and trying to think of what the ideal present would be for their, their loved ones. And I was thinking developers really don't need more T-shirts because you get about 60-year conferences. But then a very sad thought hit me. So there's been no conferences this year, unless you happen to go to one before March. So we have no new T-shirts. So is the T-shirt the best present for a software developer this year? I don't think the T-shirts have ever been a good present for software engineers. Um, but I think we just sort of get them as like a, a badge of honor, essentially, if they say you, you've been here. Or if it says if your t-shirt says like Java on it, then you go, yeah, that guy knows Java. He's 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 legit. Um, but I don't know if anybody actually said I could get them. But what listeners can't see right now, Maddie, is that you are actually wearing yes an Instill t-shirt. You know, Instill till I die. And it's my attitude. The first thing that actually came into my head was one thing we definitely don't need is any trousers because nobody can see the lower half of our body. So uh, T-shirts are required, but uh, anything else is optional. That's true. That's very true. I think it's the small things. It's the things that we wouldn't ordinarily think of that a developer would need. Um, and and I, I spotted a thing during the week. I like to kind of step away from the digital and think about things that I couldn't possibly make. You know, So we, we like to think that we can do anything because we're smart developers. So I'm looking for something that I couldn't make myself or that is in the real world as well. Uh, and I did find something actually. It's a website called Thinline, thinline.ie. And they make these really cool wooden maps of the coastline of Ireland. So they like kind of layer sheets of, of wood up to represent the topology of the, of the coastline. I, I love one, except there isn't one of Northern Ireland or any part of Northern Ireland. So it needs to be just uh, somewhere outside Dublin or the Cork coast. Oh, so they don't have one that's the whole of Ireland? No, no, it's just segments. kind of like a, a mile or two segment of the coastline, but it's really nice. So I've got this thing for kind of wooden arty type stuff, which I think I don't have the skills to make. So if well, somebody was to buy me a gift, I'd want that. And that kind of theme about, yeah, a thing that's not digital, that requires skill and talent to make that we can appreciate would be a good gift for me as a developer. Well, I'm glad I, glad I didn't get Ryan as my secret sound of this year. <laughs> <laughs> 
He's a tough one. Oh yeah, <laughs> very demanding. Well, as I said, I have a friend with a circular saw, so I can give you a knockoff version of that of that coastline map. Um, it can only have great edges, but <laughs> let's not be too specific. <laughs> yeah, is there, I was to say, do we have any coastline that's perfectly square? And then you can just you know, use the circular saw one cut and you're done. I do agree, though, in terms of handmade and anything non-electronic. I love a good notebook. It's hard to beat a good, nice moleskin notebook and a pen. I think the, the art of writing is lost amongst developers at times. I think it's good yeah. to write stuff down. So I'd be happy with a nice notebook and a pen. Uh, are you a person who geeks out about pens? Not geeks out. No, I'm happy with a, a good pen. don't need a, a very expensive pen. I do have, actually on my desk, I have a, I'm not sure if I can even pronounce it, but it's one of Lictrum's new pens. It's the Dre Griffel. And actually in the marketing spiel about it, it says it's not actually a pen. It's a design object. Oh, yeah. Now yeah. we're talking. Yeah. I mean, it is just a standard rollerball pen, which can take Parker refills. But I'll hold it up to the camera here. Right. For the people at home, this is the ultimate hipster pen. Yeah. It is, actually. It feels, it feels nice in the hand, and it's nice to write with. So it takes Parker rollerball refills? Yeah, but it's got but a... But it looks like a big barrel? Exactly. It's like whenever you buy a, a really flashy car, but it's just got a standard Ford engine inside it. It's a bit like that. Yeah. Like a Lotus? Yeah. That's a good analogy. Yeah, I like uh, I like the notebooks. I like our field notebooks. And um, People who work at Insel will know that I have them all the time. I used to have them on subscription, and then... I have so many of them now that are, are unopened that I can't the subscription until I, you know, write something down in each of them. So I like those. I also like Everyday Carry. If you've ever, like, Google, like, Everyday Carry things, just stay away from American sites because their Everyday Carry normally involves a gun or a weapon of some kind. So you can't really go to those sites because it's always some kind of huge knife. But, uh, yeah, like, nice pens. I used a space pen that apparently was invented for NASA. Uh, and then the joke is that the Russians just use a pencil. But I like I like writing with it. It always it's a it's a nice writing pen. And the torches I've got a thing for LED torches, like bright LED torches. If somebody for Christmas bought me a torch, I'd be pretty happy. And if it was a torch in a space pen, that would be heaven. Yeah, yeah, that's the perfect gift. That's yeah. it right there. I just like things that are that people put thought into. I expect people to put the same amount of thought as we put into the stuff that we make for people. That's where I sort of lie. Which is where the Apple fanboyism comes from as well. Because I think that they sort of have that attitude. Follow up from last week, it seems that these new Macs are epic from all the reviews that have been coming out. Yeah, so, which is nice, certainly. you know. Performance wise, battery wise, like the the ability for Apple to tailor OSs and things and software now to their their own silicone seems to be improving a lot of experiences across the board. It looks it looks stunningly impressive. The stuff that I've seen about how like changing your resolution is instantaneous, or doing a full index on Spotlight and there's no no fan noise at all and things like that. It's like yeah, okay, so they've they've clearly worked really hard to to kind of make it performant uh, and silent, which is it does sound sound like really good good stuff. So I'm looking forward to the the M1X, I guess, which will come out and be the 15 inch MacBook Pro version in three years time, whenever I get to change this laptop. I think as a of all the, the countdown talks have all started for everybody now, down to you know, the three years. Yeah. Just uh, Tara's, Tara's probably hoping that they don't run Java or something like that, you know, because then there's no time <laughs> to get them. <laughs> it was Steve Trenton Smith that sent out the tweet about the performance of the display and change in resolution being instantaneous. And then it was the, the guy who must have been responsible in some way for 
written the graphics driver for the new laptops or for the OS in general, retweeted to say it's great that someone's noticed this. Probably been scarring Twitter for about six years, looking for somebody oh. to have noticed his work, but waiting for the right moment. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. I have, I have, I missed that completely. That's class. Okay. Uh, any more Christmas stuff? What do you, what do you planning to do for Christmas? Actually, yeah. So I have been trying for years to get permission to barbecue the turkey on Christmas Day, <laughs> and it's been unsuccessful because nobody believes that it's a, white, a good idea. But I think it's genius. And I know it'll taste good. I just need to be given that chance. Like, I just, my family need to just let me fly this Christmas. That's what I want. Just to let me be who I can be. So, how, how would you barbecue a turkey? Because they're awful big. Same way you do a chicken. Just stick it. So, in a charcoal barbecue, what you do is you would put, you do indirect cooking. So, put your turkey in the middle of the grill and put coals on either um, left and right, on either side of it, but nothing underneath. Put a drip tray underneath to catch your juices for your gravy. And then shut the lid and don't look at it for a few hours. Um, and then that sort of creates like a convection, like current through the through the inside of the barbecue. You know, it keeps that heat rotating around the bird. If anybody's looking to buy themselves something for Christmas and like barbecue, and a meat thermometer, I think, is the number one essential item for anybody likes barbecue because then you can get it to the right temperature. Mm-hmm. Um, the mistake a lot of people make is that they cook to time, but really you should be cooking to temperature. And anyway, even not even a barbecue, always cook to temperature because it gets you to the, the sweet spot rather than saying, oh, this is going to take an hour. Like Sometimes it might take an hour, sometimes it might not. Yeah, okay. So with a barbecue, the trick is to cover it and not look at it. Yeah, don't open the lid because every time you open the lid, it then takes you know like half an hour for it to you know heat back up to the temperature again. Okay. But if you don't open the lid, how do you know it's done with the thermometer? That's what a meat thermometer is for. Get a meat thermometer that has that you know you can uh, has like a wire outside of the barbecue, so you don't have to open it. You just look at the the internal temperature. That's that actually is what I have in the greenhouse. Use a greenhouse thermometer to automatically switch on and off a greenhouse heater in the winter and it's dual purpose so it could be used as a meat thermometer there you go you, you've got the equipment ready get the turkey yeah. in the greenhouse and crank the temperature up yeah yeah <laughs> that's a good idea i need one of those in my office so that because obviously i'm just in a wooden box here so i come in in the morning and the heater's not on and it's four degrees and pretty good pretty chilly um and i've got like a, a smart plug that i can send a message from my phone to to turn the heater on but it doesn't warm up fast enough so maybe i need to get a a timer you need need a a temperature sensor we had this issue in our house where the central heating broke and uh, we have a nest thermostat here and what i did was um, using if this then that hooked it up to the smart switch so the nest you know once the temperature dropped below a certain degree it then just turned the source the smart switch on and then heated up so it still worked like the way a thermostat would but it was controlling an electric heater rather than the boiler very good. There you go. Ryan, you need a like a, a smart uh, temperature sensor for Christmas. That's what you need. I do, yeah. I mean, I, I, I've got a couple of Raspberry Pis around the house that, you know, could act as the controller for it. So I could I could program it myself. I just need the sensor and the inclination to sit down and actually write the code. That's, what, that's the problem. That's what everybody says who has a Raspberry Pi. All I yeah. need is this, and it could be this. If I had, if I had four wheels, it would be a car. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 